Today's reading is from Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground, and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, he does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak it to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of our Lord. Thank you, Joel. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace this morning from God, our Creator, and from Jesus Christ, our Savior. If you have sat still for 30 seconds and listened to your thoughts rattle off in your mind, you know that it's kind of like sitting at a table at, at a business meeting where there are many people present, but there's this one person that just won't shut up. <clears throat> there's usually one voice inside us that dominates our self-talk, those internal conversations we have with ourselves, one that ends up driving many or most of our actions. Each of us has a different dominant voice, but what's common is that they're generally unhelpful and generally fueled by anxiety. Here's what mine says. Do more and do it well. The worst thing you can do is to disappoint people, and so you have to perform and you have to please. Other people let equally dismal voices grab the microphone in their mind. You don't deserve happiness because you're unlovable, one might say. Or, you know what, you've got to keep really, really busy or strive after fleeting success or pleasure or numb yourself with booze or pills because if you stop for even just one moment, you know that there's this crushing sadness or regret or woundedness that you're carrying around and you'll have to face it. Or perhaps it might say, you know what? There's not actually anything wrong with you. You're just fine. All of your troubles can be solved by blaming them on someone else. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's people of a different race or religion. Try it sometime this week. As you're brushing your teeth, as you're driving to work, bring yourself into the presence of God through prayer and silence. Pause to listen to your own mind whir around and see who's hogging the mic in your brain. 
So one of the things that I love about Jesus is that while he lived and walked around on this earth, he intuitively grasped this psychic reality that each of us is held hostage by our own negative self-talk. And Jesus saw it as his ministry to interrupt business as usual in our brains. He saw it as his job to confuse into silence the voices commandeering our thoughts and to open up a gap in our thinking for the grace of God to enter. Jesus did this with parables. Parables are designed to confuse. In fact, there's some biblical translators who argue that the word parable should be rendered in English as riddle. A big part of why Jesus told these parables was to upend our assumptions and to shake us at our foundations. Jesus turned over tables in the temple with his hands, but he turns over tables in our own minds with these short bursts of enigmatic and elusive words. Today, for instance, we get this parable of the mustard seed, and we're really tempted, aren't we, to take this easy route of interpretation of God taking something very small, perhaps us, perhaps our faith, and nurturing it like a plant until it grows big, large, beautiful. Yay, God! We always expected God would act like this, and lo and behold, God conforms to our expectations. But oh, if this is the interpretation we walk away with, we have slid past so much. We've missed the grace of confusion that Jesus is offering us here. And that unhelpful voice in our minds who's hogging the mic, they get to continue on uninterrupted. So let's look closely for confusion and the grace within in this parable. First of all, we've got to talk about this mustard plant. Most of all, the folks that Jesus was talking to would have known this plant. They would have encountered it growing in their fields where they were trying to grow something else. Sure, some people farmed mustard, but to most everybody else, it was a weed and an aggressive one at that. A naturalist who lived around Jesus' time and place wrote, once a mustard seed has been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it as the seed, when it falls, germinates at once. So wait, Jesus is saying that God's kingdom is less like this potted plant that's beautiful and precious and more like a weed that invades and takes over and that we want to get rid of? A plant that most farmers actively tried to prevent and uproot once it got sown in their field? Well, that doesn't sound right. But that's the point. It's not supposed to sound right. If it did, it would just be blessing the unimpeded and unhelpful monologue each of us has going on inside our heads. 
But God wants so much more of us, and God wants so much more for us. And so Jesus blesses us with confusion. And that moment when this parable makes us go, huh? That's when God sneaks right in with new ways of seeing and hearing and understanding. A new voice pipes up in our mind. The voice of God's confounding but never failing grace. For it is grace that Jesus is offering us in comparing God's life in the world to the weedy and aggressive mustard plant. Isn't the God we see in Jesus, after all, all about reclaiming that which the world casts off and sees as useless? Isn't the God we meet in Jesus a specialist in taking people that others just wish weren't in the garden of life and showing their dignity and their worth? Isn't the God we meet in Jesus the master of laying low our petty attempts to control the world like a plant that overtakes a plot that we had happily planned out for ourselves? So today, if the voice hogging the mic in your brain is telling you that you are worthless, that you are a burden to others, that the world would be better if you weren't here, be interrupted by this word from Jesus. God chooses you. You are the first seed that God plants. God uses you to grow the kingdom of divine love on this earth. You are beloved of God, and God is with you always. And this parable, it's not done blessing us with confusion just yet, because the superficial engagement with this parable, it has this notion, right, that God takes something small, very small, and makes it very big and important. But read closely. This tiny mustard seed grows up into the greatest of all shrubs. This isn't the Redwoods, people. The kingdom of God is like a stubby little weed that towers only over root vegetables. The greatest of all shrubs. I love that. We, especially we who have tasted worldly power and privilege, we want to build ourselves into a mighty tree, something that is invincible, immortal, something that is commanding. But Jesus tells us here that God delights in our shrubbiness, our stumblings and shortcomings, our bodies that age and don't perform like they used to, our broken dreams and the risks we neglected to take, our reckoning with the harm that we have dealt to others. That's the shrubby stuff where God's presence is to be found. And so today, if that voice dominating your brain is telling you that you must be better 
that you must achieve success at all costs, if you can't make yourself feel worthy unless you've built something that you can point to, be interrupted by this word from Jesus. You are fully human, and you are only human, and that is enough. Everything that God has created, God loves. And God will not love you an ounce more if you achieve greatness or an ounce less if you fail. God's love flows to you as you are and, yes, makes you grow and bloom, but only into the greatest among shrubs. Finally, Jesus ends the parable by adding this detail. There are birds of the air that will come and make nests in the shade of this mustard plant. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard plant, but let's just say that if I were a bird, I'd look other places for a home first. The mustard plant's branches, they're spindly and weak. It's close to the ground. It's easily whipped around by the wind. When you look at the, the plant, there's not really a logical place to build a nest. And what I hear in this is that Jesus is saying that the birds who make their nests there must really, really need a home. They must be really longing for rest, for refuge. And they find one in this weedy plant that is only great among other shrub shrubs. Now that's an image for the church. Here we are gathered together, some of us seen by the world as no more than annoying weeds, none of us tall trees, all of us shrubs, not at all naturally equipped for the task of housing the weary and frightened birds that fly to us, having been wounded in every way this world can manage. And yet, God still chooses us, and God still uses us to be a home where people find a word of welcome and refuge and peace. This is no ordinary sense of welcome and refuge or peace that we proclaim here. It is far superior than anything the voices that sit at the front of our minds can produce. What we proclaim here is the peace that passes all understanding. The peace that only comes from knowing God's steadfast and unbreakable love for each of us and for this whole creation in the end, we can only offer the welcome and refuge and peace that God has first shown to each of us. In the final reading of this parable, we are only birds rushing for shelter and safety. And we find it in God, this humble mustard plant whose weedy persistence will one day be the only thing left in creation, whose tiny seed of hope is sown into every corner of the universe, and whose spindly, weak arms reach out in welcome to us, 
on the cross of Jesus, who is our true refuge and peace. We build our nests here in this unlikely and unexpected home, and then we call out like songbirds, bidding all longing hearts to find lodging among the life-giving weeds with us. Find rest here, we sing out, you homeless and poor ones. There is welcome here, you who bear scars of rejection from those who claim to follow Jesus. Take refuge here, you children torn from your parents at our nation's border. There is peace here for the addicted, the grieving, the neglected, and the dying. Let us sing this song loudly, for the world needs to hear it, and so do we. God uses our grateful song that we make together to silence those voices that hold sway over our own minds and to point the way to our true and everlasting home in Jesus Christ, the greatest of all shrubs. Amen.